right, so now welcome to verse 9 of Jude in our study of this little book. Chode Michael Archangelos. Chode but Michael Michael Archangelos. Definite article is here. Ha. The. The Archangel. I say that because we can maybe dive into a little doctrine of angels here, angelology. How many archangels are there? There is a a Jewish myth among the Jews in olden times that there were seven archangels to protect Israel. The Bible mentions Michael more than once, but here he is called the archangel. It doesn't say an archangel, like one of many or with a with an indefinite article. It's definite article, the archangel. No other, say Gabriel, the only other one mentioned, he's not called an archangel. Now, there are various and multitudinous references to angels in the Bible. Uh, none of the other ones are named. Some of them in the Revelation are identified with the work that they were created and, and ordained to do in their creation. There's an angel of the sun, S-U-N, for example. Um, but uh, Michael is the only one who is called the archangel in the Bible. In my view, there's only one archangel. Uh, how many are needed? Obviously, he's very powerful. He can go and finish a fight when one angel has an, a hard time with a fallen angel in a fight, as in the book of Daniel. Uh, Michael can go and, and uh, he can he can finish the fight. He's very strong. He leads the armies of heaven against the armies of Satan uh, in the in the book of the Revelation. And Michael and his armies overcame Satan and his armies, the dragon and his armies. Um, an archangel, no, doesn't say that. Ha, archangelos. The archangel. It's in the masculine singular. You can't dance around that. That's just what it is. The archangel. So to me, Michael is an esteemed of the highest order created angel. And Michael, who is like God? Some people want to put a question mark after that. I don't know why when they when they translate his name, Michael. Um, and I, it, it surprises me, even some of the great Christian expositors of the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries even wanted to say that Michael was an Old Testament name for Jesus. Of course, that's 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 foreign to Scripture. In the New Testament, here Michael is identified as Michael, and the Son of God is identified as the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, Jesus, our Savior. So there's no way that Michael and Jesus are the same ones and. That is a discussion for another time, but there are there are replete the scriptures are replete with proofs of that. The Son of the only begotten Son of God, God the Son, the second of the of the Trinity, the God of the Godhead, the Son of God, God the Son is not created. He creates. He doesn't, he's not created. 
Michael, on the other, other hand, is a created being. He is the archangel. Now, he's identified here because in the previous verse, it said that uh, these dreamers, these guys that have slipped in the side door of the church and introducing bad things to the church that are very damaging to the church, uh, they blaspheme glories or glorious ones. And in the discussion last time, uh, probably the, the practical solution or, or conclusion that so many others have drawn through the centuries of, of Christian study would be that uh, these guys were even blaspheming uh, the, the, the evil angels, the fallen angels, because of what Peter said. Maybe that's the most likely uh, the most likely way to identify the glories or the glorious ones because then right right there the conjunction the, the, with its well the conjunction with its article leads right to Michael and what Michael did uh, with regard to his dispute with the devil all right so then if he is arguing, he doesn't do to the devil in any way or speak against the devil in the way that these dreamers speak against glories. So it sort of strengthens the argument that uh, these glories are fallen angels. Verse 9, but, let's see, but Michael Archangelos, the archangel, when, when disputing or Arguing back and forth, dekonomenos, uh, uh, disputing back and forth with the devil. And there's an interesting word here, delegato. Uh, delegato. He was he was preaching to a conclusion. He was a. I think it some ways and some it's maybe translated he reasoned with or something. He was reasoning. He's actually preaching. Uh, to me, the implication is his ad, he's addressing like preaching. He is addressing Satan uh, in this discussion uh, using strong argument to reason with Satan, with the devil, about Moses' body. Now, what's that all about? You don't see anything like that over in the Old Testament. We know that God buried Moses. Uh, there, there are some other, uh, there are some other uh, extra-biblical sources. The Assumption of Moses, for example, an old pseudepigraphical book uh, that's not included in the canon of Scripture, makes reference to it. Well, well, here, since it's in what we regard as the inspired Word of God, something happened. It's used here as an example to show that even Michael, the archangel, in, who in my view is probably the strongest and mightiest of all the angels. Now, I know there are the, the cherubim, and the way I see it from Ezekiel and, and other passages, there are five cherubim, and it means the living ones, best translation. 
and and they're not little fat babies with wings. They're they're mighty mighty creatures with four faces around their head and all this might that they have. And four of them are unfallen. One of them is fallen, and that would be the one that we know as Satan. He's very strong. He was like a bodyguard. Uh, to God the Son, not that this God the Son needed a bodyguard, but he was there to do the will, the swiftly, the will of the Son of God. In, in Ezekiel, you see the Son of God on the Melchabah. You see him on the chariot throne that's mobile, and he's coming. It looks like a storm cloud when Ezekiel sees it. And then there it is, this mighty thing, and it's borne up by four cherubim. Holding the so the fifth one the other one actually he's the first one he's the he was their captain and he has fallen uh, because of his arrogance and pride um, he's very strong so here you have two of the strongest created beings the archangel and the fallen yet captain of the cherubim and Michael with all of his power and authority. And the fact that he is an elect angel, not a fallen angel, so he has righteousness on his side. Even then, it says, Michael the archangel, when arguing back and forth, when disputing with the devil, he was preaching to a conclusion. He was addressing forcefully about Moses' body, did not dare bring against and in the, in the Greek language here, it would be understood. You'd put in parentheses, I guess, him or the devil. He did not dare bring against him uh, blasphemous judgment, a judgment, or uh, a, um, let's see, a klissen, a decision, a judgment, a forceful accusation. Now, he could have because, obviously, the archangel knew everything about the history of the fallen angel, uh, goes to war with him. They are arch enemies in, in one sense. Uh, but even though he had all of this power and righteousness on his side and obviously doing the will of God and in, in overseeing the body of Moses, when the devil came against that, even though he had all right and so, and authority and so forth, it wasn't his place to blaspheme or speak against the devil. He didn't do it. So it says here, he did not dare bring against him a, a blasphemous decision or judgment, but said... Now, the, the definite article is understood here. It's not used, it's, but it's understood because this is like, uh, this is, it's, it would be a capital letter. Curios, Lord. Lord rebuke you. I suppose in the English it would be proper to say, the Lord rebuke you. Now, that gives us another instruction as, as Christians uh, I understand that the Holy Spirit in us gives us the spirit that's greater than he who is in the world. And I understand that we have a great deal of authority as Christians, but we have to be very careful not to, in even unwittingly, 
usurp the judgment that the Lord has reserved to himself because finally these fallen angels will be judged. And uh, it's not our place to do. We can't judge them. It's the Son of God who will judge them uh, at the great white throne. So, so we can, I think, through Scripture and, and, and with the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit, we, of course, can, can sense demonic activity, um, demonic oppression uh, with regard to people that we may be around. But, but where do we go? Do we go from where we are in Christ directly to that demon? Or do we appeal to the Lord with his power to judge? Well, Michael here gives us the example. The Lord, he dared not bring a blasphemous judgment against him, but said, Lord, rebuke you. He, he believed, you know, there, there is an order, there is a purpose, there is a will of God, and it's going to move according to his plan. And God has not forgotten what he's going to do uh, to the fallen angels. So this gives us a lesson on, uh, on even, even dealing with what we may feel like is the presence of demonic oppression uh, in, in, in life as we go down the path and journey of life. Lord, rebuke you. Okay, that's the end of verse 9. We're going to stop there and pick it up there next time. Thank you for studying Jude with us. Mm-hmm.